Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Michael Wilder. And we got a special, special guest today. Lynn um, introduced this wonderful person that's with us. Um, if you've been in Mormonism for a few years, you will probably know this person. Richard Dutcher was kind of the original LDS Mormon filmmaker. He made some films about Mormon missionaries, positive toward the church because Richard has, was a member of the Mormon church for most of his life. But He's going to tell his story today of what amazing things have happened to him through the years. Um, welcome, Richard. Thanks. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. <laughs> we're really well, we're, like honored to have you. It's this is exciting. I'm, you're you're my hero. Okay. Oh, um, oh. Because you know, I I still remember. Uh, I won't get into detail, but when I was watching uh, God's Army Two, States of Grace, I said, "Wow, that is." That is really uh, something. I even announced that film from the pulpit. Uh, I was in the bishopric in the LDS church in Alpine, Utah at that time. And I just told everybody, you just got to go see this movie. It's a great, great movie. Um, then oh, after well, I got ex excommunicated for saying that, I uh, no. <laughs> no, it was a great, because I, I, think, I think it's tied back to, we were still tied into understanding grace. And I think if you raised as a pure Mormon. See, we were converts to the LDS church and still remember those those concepts of grace from the Bible that this this movie's about. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Uh but we'll, uh, we'll link to we'll link to the movie in our show okay. notes yeah. at yes. un, um oh, unveilinggracepodcast.com. You can find us at unveilinggracepodcast.com. Richard was not born into Mormonism. I think his story starts out in Southern Illinois, Richard. <laughs> Tell us yeah. how you got into Mormonism. Are we going to go all the way back there? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. At back, least, back, you know. Back to the beginning of time, there were the dinosaurs, okay? And they were roaming the earth. Uh, no, not that far back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Um, are you hearing that dinging on my computer or is that? Okay, good. I'm glad if you can't hear it. For some reason, my uh, my texts keep coming through. So we'll just ignore that. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm, I am basic. Yeah, I'm a convert as well. Although I was kind of adopted into Mormonism so early that, uh, but, but um, I didn't grow up in Utah. I was, I was born in Chicago and my, my grandparents, I had two set, uh, my, my father's parents were Baptists, very devout Baptists. And then my mother's parents were Pentecostal, uh, very devout Pentecostals. And so uh, most of my childhood, I attended with my grandparents, the Pentecostal church. And uh, it was a very, you know, very, um, spirit-based, speaking in tongues, kind of Pentecostal church. And that's all we knew. And it was fairly strict, you know, so, uh, you know, no dancing, no no movies, that kind of thing. And um, uh, and so I, you know, I had no idea. I'd never heard about Mormons, Mormonism, Joseph Smith, any of that stuff until uh, my parents divorced when I was six. And then my mother uh, started dating. 
and the uh, and a Mormon guy. We lived in Southern Illinois at this time, so we had moved from Chicago after the big snow of whatever that was. Uh, it was a huge snowstorm, by the way. I was thinking about that. one of my earliest memories is walking outside and on the sidewalk, and the and the snow banks were taller than me, and so I was in like a tunnel of snow, and um, so. Uh, that's neither here nor there, but what a great, <laughs> great visual. But so we moved to Southern Illinois after that horrifying snow. And, um, and it was a small town called Mount Vernon, Illinois. And my mom started working at the chamber of commerce. And then this, this Mormon guy, businessman came through town and they started dating and, uh, and they got married. And so I was, uh, and he was LDS. He was a, he was a Mormon. And so we just, became Mormon. And, and so I was basically adopted into Mormonism and that, that in itself was a very interesting, uh, change. You know, it was, um, I, in trying to describe my, my early years in the Pentecostal church, I, you know, I loved the music, uh, and, and my grandmother was very devout. She was the kind of woman who, you know, Southern woman who would, you know, sing hymns while she's cooking and working in the kitchen all day long. Uh, just a, a, a very loving, wonderful Christian woman. And uh, so I grew up with that. But the church itself was so um, energetic. <laughs> and I was so introverted. I've always been, you know, kind of a somewhat introverted person, uh, surprisingly enough. Uh, don't know why I chose the career I did, but the, my career chose me, which I guess we'll talk about. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, but in that, you know, in that Pentecostal church, it got pretty wild and, uh, and it, it kind of scared me as a child. I, I, you know, church wasn't a, a joyful place for me just because it got so wild. And, and, you know, it was the kind of, for my, my grandfather, for instance, he would, he'd been a bricklayer, had injured his back, um, could no longer work. So, and he's a big man, but you know, didn't, he wasn't a fast moving man. He's a very slow walking, you know, he had, he lived with a lot of pain, but you know, when he would get the spirit, he would just, you know, he would start doing the Chuck Berry down the church aisle and, and everybody would be speaking in tongues and, and it, it kind of freaked me out <laughs> as a kid. I didn't know what to make of that. And my grandmother was, uh, she played the electric guitar. And so she was in the, the, the church band, the worship team, I guess we call it nowadays. But um, so it was, uh, it was something else. And, and, uh, and what the interesting thing is I've thought back over the years is when my mother started dating the Mormon guy. And in that little town, there was a little Mormon branch and they met in, I think the same building that the Masons met in. And so we, you know, went there and that first time there, it was, you know, it was such a, it was so quiet and everybody was so well behaved and nobody was jumping around. And there's a lot of, you know, book, you know, scripture reading. And so I just, you know, I kind of, I took to it. I, I liked it. And there were a lot of kids there, you know, it was a lot mm -hmm. of families, whereas in, in our Pentecostal church, it was mostly older people. And uh, so so yeah, I, I kind of took to it and didn't, you know, to me it was like, okay, we're going to church here now. And that's that's the way I I got adopted into it. 
So you were baptized into Mormonism. You went to the temple at 12 and did baptisms for the dead. You got sealed to your parents. How active were you? Oh, yeah, we were very, we were very active. I mean, from the time my mother married Mr. Dutcher, it was, uh, you know, he it was a every Sunday kind of thing. And, and uh, he you know, he wasn't my, my father. And so I, you know, I, I didn't warm to him. And in fact, when it came time for us to get baptized, we were, I think I just turned eight when we all got baptized. We had the missionaries come over and give us the lessons. And, um, and then my, my stepfather baptized my mother and my brother, my older brother, but, uh, I didn't want him to baptize me. So uh, I agreed to be baptized, but I didn't want him to baptize me. So I had one of the missionaries whose name was Elder Dalton uh, baptize me. And, and I really liked him. And, you know, years later, when I made the film God's Army, the character, I named the character Elder Dalton. And that's the character that I that I played in the film just to kind of honor him. I've forgotten now what he looked like or or anything, and I don't know what happened to him, but uh, but yeah, that was it. But yeah, in answer to your question, Lynn, um, that, you know, went through the whole process being, you know, deacon at 12, teacher at 14, priest at 16, chose to go on a mission, served in southern Mexico for two years, mm-hmm. um, came home, uh, married in the temple and uh, in the Jordan River Temple. And, uh, and yeah, I did baptisms for the dead as a teenager. So, uh, I, I would old. say, I would say you were pretty active uh, in the LDS church then. So, so a lot of people can't come back to you and say, well, he really didn't have a testimony or he really didn't know the doctrine, but um, that sounds like, you know, you went through the procedure. Now your stepdad, did he have a particular calling in the LDS church? He was, uh, um, he was a high priest, um, okay. but he never really held it. He, he wasn't a bishop or anything like that, uh, for reasons we won't go into, I hope. But, uh, okay. um, but yeah. Uh, it sounds like you were raised, though, in a sound LDS doctrine. So, I mean, you, you went through all the same procedures that our own children would have gone through. They were, you know, priests, teachers, you know, deacons, preachers. Uh, Deacons, teachers, priests, Melchizedek priesthood, and so forth. So, right, um, right. In okay. fact, there was a um, just uh, very timely because last week somebody was I had posted something on my Facebook page. I I, I try not to, you know, I, I say that you know I give myself once a year to vent <laughs> about Mormonism. Of course, every time I do that, my once a year, you know, people come on and, and say that, you know, that's all I ever do is talk about Mormonism, which isn't true at all. I keep it to once a year generally. Um, any Anything that could be construed as negative. But uh, one of the things that someone said was, you know, well, you clearly didn't, you know, don't you don't didn't really understand Mormonism. And and uh, and I responded, you know, kindly. But but I get that so much that that uh yeah in fact i want to address that because there when i was 14 you know as you're growing up in mormonism there's so much emphasis on you know getting your own testimony there's such a 
you know, and read the Book of Mormon and pray about the Book of Mormon. And I took that very seriously because, you know, at 14, I already knew what I wanted to do with my life. And I took life pretty seriously. You know, I wanted to make all the right decisions. And so I was, you know, I wanted to know if Mormonism was real and was it true. And so I, you know, I read the all the scriptures when I was, thir- I think I finished the Old Testament when I was 13. And wow. went through, you know, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price. Um, prayed all the time. Tried to, you know tried to, you know, as a 12, 13-year-old boy trying to live the gospel as I understood it at that time. And uh, and then I had a, 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 what was a genuine spiritual experience, and it happened in uh, in the Carthage jail. And uh, and I actually used that experience. I, I described it in my film, God's Army. I, I gave it to another character in the film as his experience. And so he he told that story, but that was very much, you know, my experience. And I interpreted that experience at the time as meaning, oh, here's my answer. The the church is true. And so after that, I never questioned again until later, which I'm sure we'll get to that story. But I, you know, at 14, I was all in. I was like, this is, you know, Mormonism. And, you know, I, I as a teenager, of course, I had, you know, the normal you know, um, experimenting with, you know, things that teenagers experience, nothing, you know, crazy or weird, but, you know, it's normal stuff um, that, you know, drove me in guilt to my bishop to confess and and all that kind of stuff. I, I had the whole experience. And as a missionary, in fact, I was, I was kind of known, for those who have seen the film God's Army, the character that I play was kind of the the guy that I was, I was so serious. I was, you know, other missionaries didn't want to be my companion because they knew they'd have to work. And, and um, well, um, let me stop you just for a second because the Christians who are listening may not have any idea what Carthage Jail is. First of all, that's where Joseph Smith was imprisoned and where he died was Carthage Jail. It's in Nauvoo, Illinois area. Um, so. And, and I want to ask you about that experience, that spiritual experience specifically. Like, what happened to you that made you think the church was true? Well, um, we we did the whole, you know, we did the whole Nauvoo experience, you know, going through all the Nauvoo is, um, they've recreated it uh, in a very nice, you know, not exa- not the way it actually was, which was more of a, you know, a boom town, messy, you know, place back in the uh, 18, late 1830s and early 1840s. But, but the church has, you know, kind of made that a, a visitor center and they've re- they've restored, well, basically rebuilt a lot of the homes, um, not necessarily accurate as I've learned, as I learned later, but, but, you know, to what you would expect and want to see lots of flowers, very well groomed. So it's a very, very beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, as part of that, we, our family went to Carthage with, which is, yeah, not maybe 20, 30 miles away, which was where Joseph Smith was jailed and then finally uh, killed. And, and you go up in that room and you sit down on a little bench and they tell the story of what happened. And I was a very sensitive kid and as I said, you know, I'd been praying a lot, you know, 
you know, basically begging the Lord to tell me that the church was true. And as they went through the official story of what happened to Joseph Smith, I had a very emotional experience and reaction and just started to weep. You know, I was just, I was just so moved by, by that. And I felt, you know, what I believed to be the Lord's spirit. And I interpreted that as, I mean, it was, it was a very powerful experience. And I just interpreted that as I'd been taught to interpret it, which meant, you know, uh, it happened here. So, you know, it must be that the church was true, that Joseph Smith was a real prophet. And, and so I walked away without any doubt whatsoever that, that Mormonism was, was God's church. Yeah. yeah. About, what, when did that happen? you remember the year that happened? Well, that would have been 1978. Yeah. 1978. Wow. Wow. Because we, we have been in that same jail with our children. Um, and, um, we were very, very active in the LDS church, but maybe as a person that told the story, it was totally different than what I had thought it was going to be. And it kind of threw me off. Um, uh, but, but anyway, that's, that's a story from another time. But, um, it was, okay. So 1978. Okay. So Lynn and I had just joined the LDS church like a year earlier. Um, so we were just beginning to get our feet wet in, uh, understanding Mormonism. Yeah. It, so it was. Oh, go ahead, Lynn. In helping people um, leave Mormonism and come to know the Jesus of the Bible, I would say one of the things they struggle the most with, Richard, is, is what you just described, having had a number of those kind of what they consider to be spiritual experiences that they thought came from the living God, right? And then questioning their Mormon faith, and then how do you walk away from those experiences when you're so emotionally connected, right? Right. Right. And, and it was, uh, I, and it wasn't that experience alone. I mean, as a missionary, I had so many experiences that, uh, that, and, and then later, you know, I served as elders quorum president and all, you know, all kinds of stuff. And there were so many times when, you know, someone was sick. And so I was called to give a blessing <clears throat> or when I was, you know, baptizing one of my kids or whatever, so many experiences where I had this overpowering, you know, what I consider to be a manifestation of the spirit. I mean, often, you know, when I was, when I was blessing the ill, anointing and blessing the ill, um, I was so overcome that you know, I could, sometimes I could barely talk because uh, I just felt what I considered to be the spirit and it was the spirit. And I, and after I left uh, later, we'll get into the experience that, that sent me away. But after that, one of those things was confusing. I knew the church wasn't true and real anymore, but I had a hard time uh, figuring out that exact thing. And uh, one thing, I had two experiences that clued me in. One was uh, reading William James' book, um, The Varieties of Religious Experience. I just, you know, found that and thought, oh, that's intriguing. So I studied that book. And he said something that really struck me, which was he was explaining how, basically he was explaining how people from every religious tradition have spiritual experiences. And, and he believed them to be genuine spiritual experiences. Um, but then he went on to explain how in every one of those traditions, the um, their individual churches, religions, you know, teachings um, guide their members 
toward the interpretation of those experiences. So for instance, in Mormonism, you're told over and over again, if you have you if you have a spiritual experience, that's the Lord, that's the Holy Ghost telling you that Mormonism is true, that Joseph Smith's the prophet, that Spencer W. Kimball is a prophet of God, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we just, you know, we accept that because that's what we're taught over and over and over again. And, you know, Catholics are taught the same thing. Um, you know, Hindus are taught the same thing, you know, that all of these things confirm the teachings. It wasn't um, and, and so that went into my head and I was realizing, yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, I, I would have this experience and the only way I could make sense of it was the way I was told to make sense of it, which meant that the church was true. And then later, uh, a few years after I had left Mormonism, I was, uh, I was visiting the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, DC. And I went up to that statue, which I'd never seen before. It, you know, it's this huge, beautiful yeah. statue are so powerful. I don't know if you've seen it in person, but mm -hmm. oh my gosh. And then on the walls, you know, in stone, in the in the marble or concrete or whatever it is, it's, you know, the, the words from the Gettysburg Addressers are etched yeah. into the wall. And I was reading that and I had this welling of the spirit happen. And and it was the same thing that I had felt, you know, so many other times before where, again, I was like fighting to not just sob. And um, and then it clicked for me. You know, it just it, it clicked when I realized, oh, this feeling that I'm feeling you know, is the, the, my soul reaching for these higher things. And then I realized that every time I would placed my hands on someone's head for a blessing that. I was so filled with love. You know, there was no selfishness involved in that act. It was just me genuinely wanting to bless someone. And um, so it was an act of pure love. And then, of course, the scripture started coming in, you know, that God is love. And and um, and I realized that, you know, wherever there's that love, and even back to the Carthage experience, and I recognized that one of the reasons I was so sensitive was I was thinking of the the way those acts were described to me as a child in that experience thinking of these good men who were just brutally murdered and how that affected my, you know, my feeling and how, hor you know, the, how my emotional reaction to that, you know, was so strong. And, and so after that, that's one of the, one of the great blessings of being um, outside of, of Mormonism now is being able to help people make sense of, of some of these things that are so confusing and that that's one of the main ones that I'm so happy to be able to share my experience because that that clarified so many things. And I realized that, yes, those experiences were real and I was feeling love and and I was feeling the spirit because wherever love is, God is and, and his spirit is. It was just that I was interpreting those experiences in the wrong way, you know, yeah. because yeah. I was wow. taught to yeah. As if that, God that, was reaching down throughout your life, right? And in the book Unveiling Grace, I call it um, like the dancer of grace kind of coming and going out of my life, but my not recognizing it at that point and connecting all of those good experiences to the Mormon church rather than to an amazing God. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, that is so true, Richard, because I remember you know, all my years when I was in the LDS church, you know, I would be called to go give blessings or bless my own children. And the spirit, you know, you'd feel sometimes was just amazing. But, you know, God is not selfish with that spirit. 
And, and what we were taught in Mormonism, that God was only given that to Mormons. And it's because it was the only one and true church upon the face of the earth that God is well pleased with. But after we've come out of the LDS church, we hear these stories all the time. We go to our church and they'll say, you know, somebody was diagnosed with cancer on Friday. And on Saturday, they went back and did an analysis and it was gone. You know, I mean, we would hear miracle after miracle over the years and realize that God is reaching down. Once you call upon God, he will reach down in spite of your personal self, what you personally think and bless you and bless your family. And yes, God does bless people inside the LDS church and outside the LDS church, but he never blesses them in relationship to that. You have to believe only in Joseph Smith. It's, he blesses you in relationship that you're reaching up to God. Uh, that's my experience anyway. And so I can relate to that so much what you were talking about. That that's the, But that's the amazing thing that people need to realize it's on both sides and God can touch. Um, I, we're just down to a minute or so, and I want to kind of tie this up. I have a friend who's in Christian ministry who moved to Utah and told me that he was walking on the grounds of one of these very sacred places to Mormons, and he had those kind of emotional experiences that it freaked him out. I'm a Christian. I know better. I know it's not true. And yet I'm having this overwhelming feeling. What's the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else who can know it, right? That that the heart of a man typically is, is not a good thing and not necessarily something you can trust. Not always a bad thing, um, but it, it needs to be balanced with the Word of God. And as long as it lines up to the Word of God, then that's probably a genuine experience from the Holy Spirit. And these are things that former Mormons have to figure out and uh, try to figure out in the Christian world. I certainly had some amazing emotional experiences once after I came to Christ too, but um, in my case, a lot of times they were different. So, um, Richard, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. We will do a part two and a part three and however many we need to do to get through your story. Um, I, I will put up some scriptures on our website that will lead you to some of these scriptures about what God says about these kind of experiences. Um, grace and peace to you. Until next time. And may God bless.